Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. This is going to be episode 72. My name is Ned Jabbar. Today, we're going to do the readings for the uh, 21st Sunday of Ordinary Time. So I want to say to everyone, welcome. And let's begin with an opening prayer with the act of contrition in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So, uh, last week, uh, I did a response on um, that Atlantic article and, uh, well, the whole Catholic world responded, uh, Taylor Marshall, uh, quite a few podcasts all responded, which was kind of good because it really was a hit piece against the Catholic faith. It was the hit piece uh, against the rosary. It was technically more against the rosary, but I didn't know this, but that article done by this uh, museum worker who was also part-time extremist hunter, like if, you know, a young little hipster, uh, really, a really uh, young hipster in Canada. He, he really attacked the faith because he didn't bother to do his research or anything about what the history of the rosary is. Uh, he didn't bother why, why does the rosary associate with it military language? But it was unfair that in a sense that because he finds one place online where they drape the rosary over the AR-15. Yeah, I, I, I find that insulting and sad. But at the same time, yes, the rosary does. It, it does carry with it military language. So just as much as he's conflating or he's... Uh, conflating the rosary. He's just as much as fault as whoever drapes the rosary on AR-15. He's misunderstanding 
just like the one one person on on one side is literally associating it. The person may also be Catholic who decides to associate the rosary with an AR-15 at the same time. Someone like him who's uncomfortable with religion is also conflating language. He doesn't, you know, he's not looking at the metaphor. Someone's taking the metaphor literally and he's also a pro, um, in a sense taking the metaphor literally but also abusing he's both sides were abusing it instead of the one in the middle is the one who prays and uses the rosary as a spiritual weapon all right and it's it's kind of funny how you can get one person on the left go too far too far over the edge and one person on the right who lives in a very militant military culture very a military environment culture gun culture can also abuse and take the rosary over the edge so yeah you can get people on both sides and the right and the left doing it but to the one who prays the rosary it is a spiritual weapon but not I would never, you know, in a sense, it is like a spiritual gun or spiritual sword. But not as a real weapon of violence. It's a spiritual violence against the devil and his angels, against the principalities. That's the difference. And you can, and it's true, you can, like, he's... He, the young man on, on, who wrote the article is weaponizing it for political means. The one on the right, uh, a military a person who's really steeped in, in firearm culture, is also literally, in a sense, abusing it. It's, you know, you know, I mean, like I said, you can't help it if someone has a tattoo of the rosary on their ankle. I've seen women who have tattoo of the rosary of the ankle on their leg because they think it looks it makes them look sexy. The same way you might get someone who, a man, who tattoos the rosary around the neck like a necklace or literally wears the rosary around their neck as a necklace because they think it looks cool. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. You know, it's, you know, I mean, I think the first place we might have seen that is in a story of Dracula, where one ca a character is going to go over to Dracula's castle, a real estate agent, I guess you can call him. And because he's going to Dracula's Dracula, uh, ca castle, a, a woman, a Romanian woman, gives him a rosary and she puts it around his neck as a necklace. You're meant to pray it. You're not meant, you're not meant to. Pray. That's the fault of the author because the author doesn't understand what the rosary is. He's not Catholic. But that's how he's treating it. It is a protection. It is a weapon, but it's more powerful when you use it in prayer. In prayer, it's a deadly weapon. Okay, it, 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 it produces results in a supernatural way. But this is the fault of it. I probably should do another article about it. I really do. 
I really think I should do another article about this. Anyway, let's begin with our uh, reading, okay? All right. So for this Sunday, the 21st Sunday of Ordinary Time, um, the first reading is from Isaiah, the prophet, the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 66, verse 18 to 21. They shall bring, they shall bring all your brothers and sisters from all the nations. Thus says the Lord, I know their works and their thoughts, and I, and I come, and I come together to gather nations of every language. They shall come and see my glory. I will set a sign among them. From them I will send fugitives to the to the nations, to Tarshish, Put, and Lud, and Moshach, Tabul, and Javan, to the distant and coastlands that have never heard of my fa of my fame or seen my glory, and they shall proclaim my glory among the nations. They shall bring all your brothers and sisters from all the nations as an offering to the Lord on horses and in chariots, in carts upon mules and dromedaries to Jerusalem, my holy mountain, says the Lord, just as the Israelites bring their offerings to the house of the Lord in clean vessels. Some of these I will take as priests and Levites, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's an interesting, um, an interesting reading. Let's, let's start it. Let's read it again. Thus says the Lord, I know their works and their thoughts, and I come to gather nations of every language. They shall come and see my glory. All right, I know their works and their thoughts, and I come to gather nations of every language. They shall come and see my glory. Um, let's just, okay, unfortunately, we, we, we're not reading this in full context, but the church has given us a portion of this of this reading. So all the nations are coming and God is going to gather them. Right? Gather them. And he says, I know their thoughts. I know their works and their thoughts. And I come to gather nations of every language. They shall come and see my glory. I will set a sign among them. From them I will send fugitives to the nations, to Tarshish, Put, and Lut, Moshach, Tabul, and Javan, to the distant coastlands that have never thought of my fame. So, a sign, a sign, a sign will be put among them. Let's just say it's the sign of the cross of our Lord. Okay? I think it's a safe interpretation we could be proven wrong most likely let's open for the possibility that we could be wrong but let's look at the sign of the son of man which could be the cross all right all right 
or see my glory, and they shall proclaim. Okay, and it ends there for this, um, the, those that never heard of my fame or seen my glory. Because the sentence in, in there, but it continues. Or seen my glory, they shall proclaim my glory among the nations. They shall proclaim my glory among the nations. All right? So his fame and then his glory. And shall proclaim his glory among the nations. They shall bring all your brothers and sisters from all the nations as an offering to the Lord on horses and in chariots, in carts upon mules and dromedaries in Jerusalem, my holy mountain, says the Lord, just as the Israelites bring their offerings to the houses of the Lord in clean vassals. Some of these I will take as priests and Levites, says the Lord. So they shall offer brothers and sisters, let's say children or sons, technically, because only a male son shall become a priest and Levite, but all their all the nations are coming, which definitely includes men and women. And then the offerings they'll be given, he says, they'll offer. Technically, they're offering their children, their sons, more, more, more precise. And they should come to, to Jerusalem. This is obviously talking about the gospel. This is obviously talking the, 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 the covenant of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And this is obviously a glorified Jerusalem. This is a Jerusalem in, I think, in the new covenant. All right. The new covenant, which is the sign of the son of man, which is the, the Christ, Jesus Christ himself. So this is, this is about the gospel. This is about the new covenant. This is about the church of, of Christ. So we have to look at it like this. We have to be able, yes, there's open for better interpretation. There's open for better understanding of this text. This is something we have to always be open to that. You know, as Catholics, there's more. There's, I mean, I could do a lot better probably using maybe even the catechism of the Catholic Church to help us understand better. All these are tools we can use to better interpret. The Holy Spirit gave us all these, which is why our priests and our bishops should be using them, but they're not for some reason. You know, a lot of them, you know, take a very... Um, interpretation with a with a with a i would say a, a thousand foot pole for some reason but there are better priests and there are better bishops out there that can do that can definitely give you a better a better interpretation than me but unfortunately we're not living in that kind of time now so we have to use what we have and i'm a very poor tool but i'm doing the best i can as a as a devout catholic to help my fellow catholics to read the to read the bible to, to take, participate in the faith, you know, where, you know, I mean, I, I truly believe the reason why we're getting shows like The Chosen, I know you've heard me say this before, I'm probably getting tired, and we got program podcasts like, um, you know, the um, 
the Marian Helpers, uh, and uh, you know you got St. Paul Institute with Scott Hahn, uh, Taylor Marshall, uh, Council of Trent podcast. You, you've got all these guys out there. They're they're all doing their part to help. But unfortunately, you know, we're living in a time now where um, our priesthood has been compromised and has been taken captive uh, to the spirit of the age. Our bishops have been taken captive to the spirit of the age. But there are good priests out there, and the Lord puts out good Christians, and I think you're seeing changes now. Uh, you're going to see even great, greater changes, which is the Holy Spirit's going to change these things. Anyway, let's go on from there. This is going to be a very short response to the Psalm. It's Psalm 117. Go out to all the nations and tell the good news, the gospel, the good news. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Glorify all you peoples. Go out to all the, the world and tell the good news. Hallelujah. For steadfast is the, his kindness toward us, and the fidelity of the Lord endless forever. Go out to all the nations and tell the good news. Alleluia. One more time. Go out to all the nations and tell the good news. Alleluia. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Glorify him, all you people. Go out to all the, the world and tell the good news. Alleluia. Be steadfast in his kindness toward us and the fidelity of the Lord endless forever go out to all the go out to all and tell the good news hallelujah all right our second reading is from the letter to the Hebrews Hebrews chapter 12 and it goes from verse 5 to 17 I mean to 7 verse 5 to 7 and verse 11 to 13. Okay, those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. You have forgotten the exhortation addressed to you as children. My son, do not disdain the discipline of the Lord or lose heart when reproved by him. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. He scourges every son he acknowledges, endures your trials, endure your trial, your trials as discipline. God treats you as sons. For what for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? At the time all discipline seems a cause not for joy but for pain yet later it brings the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it so strengthen your drooping hands and your weak knees make straight paths for your feet that what is lay may not be um disappointed but healed okay the word of the lord thanks be to god this is i think this is important because we don't talk about suffering a lot i mean our priests uh 
a catechist a lot. I mean, this is something you might even find a problem among Protestant ministers. They're not very good at talking about suffering. They're not very good. I mean, they even I saw a program, they rather talk about um, heaven than they rather talk about hell. And certainly our priests don't talk about heaven, hell, or purgatory, or even suffering. I mean, they may they may skim over it slightly, you know, slightly, but they don't want to talk directly about it. And so, so what the 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 author of the Hebrews is saying here is. Let me put it this way. All right, when St. Paul converted, when he was Saul, and he converted to Paul, all right, it doesn't exactly say when his name got changed, but most definitely the, the name itself was probably, he was probably using both names to begin with, most likely. But anyway, um, before he converted, he hurt a lot of people. He hurt a lot of Christians. He destroyed a lot of families. I mean, we're only told a portion in the gospel of the things he did in the book of Acts. But he did a lot of damage. He sent a lot of people uh, into prison. He destroyed a lot of families. Some moms and dads and little children, Christian families, were, were destroyed. I mean, they were like decimated. Probably never to be healed again. Many children probably were orphans. Maybe even children were sent to the death. We don't know. But it's possible because he was a terrible person. And then suddenly one day, on the road to Damascus, he was knocked off his high horse, so to speak. And he was blinded for three days. You know, and after he, you know, he, was, he was sent a saint, a holy man, to heal him then baptize him, and then suddenly, uh, what was that vision? The, the Lord said to the man, uh, when the man told the Lord, listen, I don't know, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but this man, he destroyed a lot, of, a lot of your holy people, a lot of members of your church. And the Lord responded, I know, I'm giving a fair a paraphrase here, but he's mine now, and I'm gonna show him much. He's gonna suffer much for me. He will suffer much for me. Now, I'll, this is something I think Catholics and Protestants don't like to talk about, suffering. Why does St. Paul have to suffer if now he belongs to the Lord? The answer is he has to suffer not for, the, for just the sake of the Lord, but for St. Paul's sake. For his own sense of peace, he has to suffer. His own consciousness. He hurt people. He destroyed families. He might have put a lot of people to their death. He hurt a lot of people. Individuals made in the image and likeness of God. He hurt people. How is he ever going to find complete peace in himself or even in the after, if he doesn't suffer it now, he will suffer it. He would have to suffer it eventually in purgatory. 
and most likely is a lot longer there than it is here. So, those of us who have to fast and do penance, it's hard for us. And this life, the culture we live in now, makes it a lot harder. The material comforts in this age makes it a lot harder to purify ourselves. Let's face it, we know it's true. So, in many cases, I think diseases and other forms of suffering, right, that are a result of our materialistic existence, you know, a society, makes it really difficult for us to be Christians now. Before in the past, it was probably a lot easier easier to understand suffering, to understand penance. And that's exactly what we're talking about here is penance. Really, right? So that's why he sends these things to us. He sends us these, this um, pain, not to destroy us, not to punish us, but to purify us, to make us more holy so that we can better reflect him. But I think it's, if we choose our penance, choose our penance in this life and ask for the grace to endure them, to offer them up. Uh, and I think we exercise, meaning we train ourselves to do more penance if it's possible. And I, I, and I know for myself, it's difficult. It's extremely difficult. I think if we do ask for the grace, I think eventually he will give it to us. It's not going to, it's never meant to be easy. We're never, it's never meant to be an easy task on our behalf. It's never because it, if it was easy, then we're doing nothing. We're accomplishing nothing, right? And I think that's why it has to be hard and it has to be and it has to be hard because as we grow in these grace then he's going to then we will then we know we need harder we need more it's just like, like an athlete that like it says it in the scriptures like an athlete that needs to needs to push it push him or herself even further in order to improve that's why he needed to suffer saint paul Going back to him now, he needed to suffer all the hardships to make up for the destruction that he did and to be closer to the Lord. I mean, look at St. Peter. He denied the Lord three times. Yes, he was asked three times, do you love me? And he groaned at the third time, but still he had to endure some penance. Some penance. If Lou, if 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 Saint, I mean, if he was a saint, um, Jude, Judas, did repent. You think he wouldn't have to do some kind of penance? It's all because of our spiritual conscience. We need this in order to be closer to him, in order to make up for the damage we've done. 
or our souls, our spirits will never rest completely. We'll never find, we'll never find complete, uh, I think, forgiveness for ourselves. The Lord will forgive us, but he made us in his image and his likeness that justice must be met, must be met and demands must be met. That's why it says here, every father the Lord loves, he disciplines. He scourges every son he acknowledges. These things would not be done if it wasn't done out of love. It's not out of hate. This is why I think a lot of people talk, you know, get confused the term judgment, a judgmental God. This is the trick of the devil when people talk this way. Were there not abuses before? Were there not misunderstandings? Yeah, the devil loves abuses and he loves misunderstandings because he loves, he knows how to capture the imagination of people. But you do need it. We do need it in order to grow spiritually. Okay, any, God treats you as sons, as children. For what son then whom, whom his father does not discipline? At the time, all discipline seems a cause not for joy but for pain. Yet later it brings the peaceful fruits of righteousness, of righteousness, the peaceful fruit for those who are trained by it, trained by it. Okay, so we need to ask for trials and ask for the grace to grow more. This is important. This is important. We need this because we have to become real saints. We keep complaining about the problems in the church. Well, if we don't have a kind of church that actually endorses this kind of training, this kind of penance, then maybe we need to ask the Holy Spirit to, to help us to practice this form of penance that we, we need to place in ourselves until we find a spiritual teacher, a spiritual guide who can help us. But we already have it. We have the church and we should also do this, but practice penance but here's the key. Don't overdo it. Don't don't let the devil trick you to the point where you hurt yourself and it becomes uh, pathological. Do it. Uh, do it, but do it with with limits, cautious limits, because you need them. Fasting is all right, but you got to remember that you were given a body and the body was is a gift from the Lord. Don't overdo it. Don't do it till you hurt yourself, till you damage yourself and you're sent to the hospital. That's also bad. You know, practice, but do it with a set limit. And if you're going to have something, I guess, I mean, all everybody says this, like a little break, it has to be something, you know, reasonable the body is still your temple it's still sacred but don't you know don't you know find a spiritual guy find a nun find someone who will tell you a limit to it unfortunately i don't know even know a lot of them even fast anymore you know i mean i mean i know myself but i know other looking at some of these clerics i don't think they're a big fan of fasting as well <laughs> It's the kind of times we live in, unfortunately. But there's a way to do it. And I'm sure you can go on YouTube, find 
find a spiritual guide, a Catholic spiritual guide. I think that's something good to look for. Give it a shot, you know. Anyway, let's move on to the next one. All right. Oh, this is from John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 6. Alleluia, alleluia. I am the way, the truth, and the life, says the Lord. No one comes to the Father except through me. Alleluia, alleluia. They will come from the east and west and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. This is the reading is from the holy reading is from the gospel of St. Luke. Amen. Chapter 13, verse 22 to 30. Jesus passed through towns and villages, teaching as he went and making his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few people be saved? He answered them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. After the master of the house has arisen and locked the door, then will, then will you stand outside knocking and saying, Lord, open the door for us. He will say to you in reply, I do not know where where you are from and you will say we ate and drank in your company and you taught in our streets then he will say to you i do not know where you are from depart from me all you evildoers and there will be wailing and grinding of teeth when you see abraham isaac and jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of god and you yourselves cast out, and people will come from the east and the west, and from the north and south, and will recline at table in the kingdom of God. For behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, this is very important. Again, I think it matches every, everything we've, we've been reading so far. Okay, Jesus passed through towns and villages, teaching as he went and making his way to Jerusalem. So the first thing we got to remember is that he's been passing through many towns and villages, and he's been teaching along the way, which means that we have to remember that much of what the what the what the the gospel writer wrote, and what the, many of the people remember, uh, what he's been saying, Jesus said it so many times, and probably in so many different settings and so many different ways. Probably the same thing, but slightly different to different audiences, right? That therefore this is. Um, the Holy Spirit is using the memory of the people. And Luke probably interviewed many different people who remembered this particular talk and saying that, you know, he chose the most reliable memories uh, who were close, similar and close to each other. Not There's nothing to worry about, but you got to remember this is how the Holy Spirit worked. 
This is how God wanted. This is how Christ wanted it to be done. So I'm sure he interviewed his mom. I'm sure he interviewed Mary Magdalene. I'm sure he interviewed many of the women, which he trusted, and they trusted their memories because they worked. You know, they people, if you love somebody, you'll remember everything he says. And some people might remember this particular detail. Other people might remember that particular detail. So the Holy Spirit guided Luke and guided his his detect his uh, interview skills, and he remembered. So uh, he answered them, and he asked them, "Lord, will only a few people be saved?" He answered them. So he says, "Someone asked him." So someone asked him. Someone. Luke could have pro probably deliberately chose to keep that person as someone, and he knew who he knew from several eyewitnesses who asked him. But anyway, um, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. Okay, what does he mean by that? He means some people will not be able to strong enough to handle what the gospel demands. In other words, spiritually, their hearts won't be into it. They won't they they won't love the Lord enough to want to strive. Okay. So there'll be some people, literally, in a sense, that probably in the beginning they'll be enthusiastic to want to strive to enter the kingdom of God. But in time, they be, their their love will go into lukewarmness and indifference, which is what lukewarmness is, is indifference. You get people who are interested, interested in the gospel. You get people who are interested in Christ. But in time, what the gospel demands, what Christ demands, will become like a burden to them. A burden that they'll begin to hate. All right. They don't like what discipline requires of them. So, yeah, I think we should embrace this and study this and really realize that we, we should pray for the grace of discipline. We should pray for the grace to strive to fast, to practice the gospel, to, to practice, to endure some discipline. We should pray for this. He goes on to say, I tell you, uh, okay, it says here, strive not to enter through the narrow, okay, he said, a uh, few people will be saved. He answered, strive, strive to enter through the narrow gate, the narrow gate. For many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. After the master of the house has arisen and locked the doors, locked the door, then you will stand outside knocking and saying, Lord, open the door for us. He will say to you in reply, I do not know where you are from where you are from and you will say we ate and drank in your company and you taught in our streets then he will say to you i do not know where you are from depart from me all you evildoers 
And there'll be wailing and grumbling and teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. And you yourselves are cast out. People will come from the east and the west and from the north and the south and will recline at table in the kingdom of God. For behold, some are last who will be first and some are first who will be last. So we have to strive and I think the Lord expects this from us. He, know, he knew the time will come where we will be neglected and abandoned by our, by our shepherds. This time was always foretold. Yes, there will be many who will abandon us, but we, if we love him, we will strive and we will beg to be disciplined, beg to be, to be strengthened, to, to, to want to be holy. This is important. We need this. We need this. We need this in order to grow closer to him, in order to be better disciples, in order to be more saints. We need this. And I think we need this in, in this time more than ever before. And <clears throat> though we, we are not, we don't have good shepherds. We don't have, you know, they adopted the spirit of the age, the spirit of, of soft, of softness and puttiness. And many of them are effeminate men. Many of them are homosexual men who definitely hate the gospel. But they are birds who steal the word, like in that parable, who steal the word away, who keep it suppressed and locked up because of their shame and their guilt. We need this. We need to learn how to be holy. We need to strive for discipline. We need to become saints. So I, I think... We need to pray about it, and we need to look for spiritual guides to help us. All right, so let's end it here. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father, through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and life of the world to come. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. 
Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen.